Hi there, welcome to Series 2 of the Release the Sound podcast, where we talk all things prophetic worship. I'm Raymond Waterman, and it is my passion to empower, to educate, encourage, and equip you to release a sound of heaven that transforms the communities that you are a part of. So stay tuned, listen to some amazing guests, and be blessed. Thanks for joining me. Hey, everybody. I am so excited about our podcast today. You are going to love it because I am with two of my favorite people over the land and seas. I think this is going to be actually a first on this podcast of interviewing some amazing people in Asia. We've never had that before. So you are the first, guys. Wow. So Friends, let me introduce you to Kelvin and Alarise, my dear friends and amazing powerhouses of worship. They are the senior leaders and the founders of Awakened Generation, which is a worship school and missions organization based in Singapore. And their vision is to raise a generation of worshipers across the nations. I just love this mandate. They've trained and equipped close to 700 worship leaders and musicians in Singapore alone and have started at the online international school. So everyone go check it out with a vision of mentoring worshipers regionally in Asia. Their mandate is to unlock the sound of worship in their nation and hence every year Awakened Generation actually releases a new album of worship songs for the church to sing, which is incredible. Guys, it's so amazing to have you. I love the mandate. I love that you didn't just go, one day we're going to do this. You just went, this is what God's called us to do and we're just doing it. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Thank you What an honor to be here. With to you. Be here. Yeah. It's wonderful to have you. And um, I think for starters, do you want to share a little bit about, for those who've never heard of Awakened Generation, how it started and how long it's been going for, just a bit of background. Well, so um, even though Calvin and I are based in Singapore and our heritage is from Malaysia and Singapore, but we actually spend quite a bit of time in Australia and New Zealand. <laughs> awesome. I like that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'll, I'll share my story and then Calvin will share his story. Um, but for me, I, uh, I grew up in seven nations. Um, wow. Not a missionary's kid, but an airline kid. So um, my dad was with Singapore Airlines growing up. So flew with him to many nations and spent about 10 years in Australia before wow. coming to Singapore. I had my encounter with the Lord when I was 13, moved to Australia um, uh, when I was about 14 for about 10 years. Um, and it was during my time in Australia that I discovered that I could sing. Perhaps, you know, it's it's the culture of Australia where, you know, if you see a gift in someone, you, you call it out. And yeah. prior to that, like, just no one told me that I that I could sing. And so... I just had no idea. And so it was in my time in Australia. Actually, it's a really funny story of how I um, was at a school camp. Um, so we were at Kangaroo Valley. This is in New South Wales. And everyone was just really, just relaxed and comfortable. And so I was a shy kid in school. But at this camp, I started singing this uh, Pocahontas song when we wow. were canoeing down the river, <laughs> kayaking down the river. And everyone was shocked. Perfect. Wow. Everyone was shocked. All my Aussie friends, they were like, what? This Asian girl? <laughs> Why didn't we know this before? So long story short, after that moment, like this, like the word just started to spread to school and my school every year, they had a music festival and it was held at the Sydney Opera House. And so one of the um, leaders of my house, you know, she heard that I could sing 
she bumped into me at the staircase at school and said, hey, Alaris, like I heard you can sing. Uh, would you audition for the solo part for uh, our, our school uh, music festival? And yeah. that was my first time ever singing in public. And so I showed up for this audition. She said, you know, you got the part, learn, learn the song time after time. You're going to sing it for the school music wow. festival. And so the first time I ever sang in public was at the Sydney Opera House. Wow. Well, it was like God's no way. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I thought it was God's way of saying, pay attention to what I've deposited in you. Wow. Prior to that, like I did not see that gift at all in my wow. life. And I realized that um, the Lord had given me a voice to minister um, and to, it was, it was uh, a channel in which people would encounter the presence of God. So, I mean, that's uh, like a very summarized version of my background until the Lord then called me to Singapore. And it was my time in Singapore that I was really mentored by Pastor Nelly and Tina, who were our worship pastors um, at our home church. Oh, and Nelly it, and Tina. Hang on. What's their last names? Antigua. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know those guys. Hello. Yeah. We know them. That's a oh, wonderful. They are yeah, and, an and they're, they're leading a church in Brisbane right now. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so wow. they were my mentors and they really threw me in the deep end with wow. worship. And 2012, I went to Bethel School of Worship. And that was wow. when I back different, came back different, just a new level of authority or freedom when I yes. led worship. And um, yeah. And so from from that place, I met this guy, Calvin Hawkins. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was born in Malaysia and uh, actually was raised in a very small town in Sabah, Sandakan, and but that wasn't yeah. palm oil industry. And so, but we moved to New Zealand when I was about maybe nine years old. And uh, so I grew up in New Zealand for about 20 plus years. Wow. So I'm, I'm caught between being a Kiwi and being, being a Malaysian. <laughs> so a Malaysian Kiwi. Best of both worlds, really. Best of both worlds, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, went to school and, you know, went, you know, did my education, but at the same time, the Lord led me in a different route where I was actually radically safe, I would say, when I was 17 years old. I mean, parents and I grew up in church, we went to church, and but I, I, I really, I would say, you know, come to know the Lord and really follow Him wholeheartedly when I was about 17 years old, uh, where I, I had an encounter with the Lord and, and really transformed my life. And, uh, it was in a university campus uh, where a couple of missionaries came and, you know, really began to disciple and father me. And that took me in a route where I went into social work. So I've, I've been in the social work industry for about a decade, um, working with youth at risk, mentoring, coaching. I think it was in the church that I understood the importance of discipleship and, and really journeying with people. Mm. And so which opened a door for me to be in Singapore, but where a friend of mine uh, by the name of Rachel, uh, Rachel Ong, she invited me to come to Singapore for three months for an internship program to do mentoring. And so mm. I thought, okay, sure, I'll, I'll come for a, a, just a kind of like a, a, a work overseas experience kind of thing. And I uh, thought that, oh, I'll just put in my CV that I've worked overseas, not knowing that my three months in Singapore, the Lord uh, literally broke my heart uh, wow. for, for the youth of this nation here in Singapore. Because wow. it was just very interesting that I, I, I look like an Asian, I eat like an Asian, I sound like an Asian, but yet, my upbringing, I have the best of both worlds. That's what you were yes. saying. And, and so I, I realized the, 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 the challenges that the young people were facing in Asia was very similar to what probably I was facing growing up in a typical Asian family, you know, performance, expectations, uh, the, the level of, of striving. And, yeah. and, but then the Lord really 
changed and developed my heart to walk in that grace. And so after three months, that's where, you know, the Lord says, I've kept you hidden in New Zealand for 20 years. It's time to go back to the wow. land or you to, to be a blessing, to really sow and to really serve the, the, the nations in Asia. And so that was my yeah. ticket to Singapore. And uh, in 2011, I was here uh, working at the boys' prison um, for two and a half years. I thought I would be the man and bringing all my expertise, uh, but it was a two, two and a half, three years of humbling pie, I would say. Wow. I, the Lord broke me because I was in a culture, in, in a, I would say a cultural shock uh, in terms of the work environment, you know, just the, the stronghold that you come against. And so I think after two and a half years later, you know, uh, I mean, we, we met here uh, through our church, Every Nation Church, and um, mm-hmm. got connected. And of course, we got married. And uh, actually, that's where I, I wanted to move back home to New Zealand after my two and a half, three years of here in Singapore. And yeah. uh, the Lord did not allow that to happen. Uh, it was actually while we were in the States, uh, we were attending our, our Every Nation World Conference. Uh, I was actually quite, um, would you say, jaded or just tired, walk, tired and, and just spiritually dry. And, and, but the Lord visited me in a dream and in a dream in, in, in the US when I was, we were in the conference, uh, the dream was a world map. And then I saw a rainbow slinky. Actually, I have it right here. Yeah. This one. Oh, there you go. Amazing. Oh, a rainbow slinky and uh, it was bouncing across Singapore, across the regions of the world. Wow. But always come back to Singapore as a base and a hub. And so wow. it will move across the nations, but it always come back to Singapore. And in that dream, I took the rainbow slinky and I threw across the world map because I just had not, I just don't want to have, to have anything to do with Singapore. I think I've done my time here, but I'm, call, I'm, I'm going back home. And, and in that dream, the Lord says, do not remove the call I have for you for Singapore would be a base and a hub for the wow. both of do the work that he has asked us to do. And I didn't understand what that means. And the Lord says, you will work for me and I will open doors where no man can shut and shut doors where no man can open. I would say that was more probably my, my calling and to enter into full-time ministry. I mean, not that full-time ministry in the sense that I was really walking in it, but the Lord says that take, embrace this and take this seriously, what I'm calling you to do. Wow. And, and it does not look like you know, because I was, I was asking Ellery, so should I find another job? Should I look for another organization? And, but the Lord never gave me that answer. Mm. The Lord shut many different doors as well, supernaturally. It was interesting because you should share about the, the prophetic word that we received at the conference. Yeah, so, so this was when we had just gotten married. Yeah. And we didn't know what we were supposed to do after we got back to Singapore because we were, yeah. weren't even sure if you could stay, like visa-wise. Um, but at this uh, conference when we were in the U.S., it was a prophetic um, session. You know, the head prophet just got like a handful of prophets just to go out in the crowd and pray for some people. But there were like thousands of people there. So we're like, okay, will we get a word? Um, but I really was praying for Calvin because I know it was a difficult season yeah. of transition for him. And so while we were packing up to leave, suddenly this prophet, I call him the ninja prophet because he really he like surprised us. Came out of nowhere. Shocked <laughs> out of nowhere. Um, and, and the first thing he said was, are you guys married? <laughs> and we we're like, yeah, like literally just for one month, like yeah. newly married. Yeah. So he could see yeah. that already. And so he was like, good, this word's for you. He said, one puts a thousand to flight, but two puts 10,000 to flight. There's mm-hmm. something about your individual ministries that when you do it together, that yeah. the favor and the anointing of God will flow through your lives. And for me, that was, for us, that was just... Um, 
a confirmation because, you know, he was struggling on like shooting, you know, what what do I go back to doing when I'm in Singapore? And that just yeah. touch faith that we're supposed to pioneer something full time together. Wow. Yeah. So that was just a confirmation from the Holy Spirit that we needed. And so when we got back to Singapore, miracle after miracle of him getting a visa of us being able to be in Singapore full time together and financial yes. miracles for us to be able to do this. The Lord opened doors for us to, to minister through preaching. But I think that two and a half years that we were doing that together, just the grace of God was, you know, enabled us to witness and see the beauty of the churches that was represented in Singapore as well as in yeah. the region. But at the same, same time, one of the things that the Lord has really taught me over the years is to observe and see what he's doing, but also observe and see what are the areas that the nations or particularly in Singapore, uh, some of the, the strongholds or the barriers that uh, believers may yeah. be facing. And so, I mean, I say this in humility because the thing is that I, I, I witnessed and the Lord was allowed allowing me to witness this and to kind of glean from that. And, and of course, there, there were three things at that time in, back in 2000 and from 13 to about 2015, what I witnessed was that there was very three specific things that the Lord highlighted to me personally was the one that worship was not revered. And what I mean by that mm, is that wow. a lot of people will show up church late, uh, but just in time for the message. Uh, mm. And so worship was a pre-little pre interlude to towards the, the message of the word. Yeah. And I many times worship is based more on preference of song choices and, you know, whether it's a fast song or slow songs, rather than actually un, un, having that biblical understanding that worship is not about you, it's about, you know, beholding him. Yeah. And so we witnessed that kind of that. And of course, second thing was that I realized there was a disconnection between the intergeneration, you know, in terms of there, there is a tension with the, the older, um, yeah generation wanting to do their own thing and then the other generation not getting along with that. And I think if, if I can be vulnerable to say that, that, you know, the, the age gap between the 35 and the 45, you probably won't find them in the church today. Wow. At time, because it's just, you know, and I, and I say this, that I think we, we all have heard this before that Christianity is one generation away from extinction. Wow. And so, well, if you think about it, so if we don't teach it to the next generation, then they will yes. walk, they think it's just, you know, yeah. uh, social club. And of course, the third one was that I realized that when I witnessed this, that discipleship was not really modeled. And, and discipleship in, in a lot of the church setting is a lot about program, about 10 steps of how to mm. become better Christians. But we understand that discipleship actually, you see the way how Jesus did was very relational, was a journey, was walking through with people and so forth. And so that, that led us to begin to pray because we, we, we meet with a lot of pastors and leaders and I mean, you will have your, your small talks and your larger dinners. And then, you know, in, in their most, you know, um, vulnerable state, they will share openly what are the challenges facing. Wow. And I think that that led us to really begin to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, is there more that we can do to serve the local church, to serve the body of mm -hmm. Christ? And so that one fine day we were praying in our studio and, and the Lord speaks to me in dreams and vision. And that one fine day, we're sitting in our studio, we were praying and the Lord down to me a vision. It was a vision of a greenhouse. For many of us, I mean, for yourself and I, you know, grew up in, in, in Australia and New Zealand, particularly in New Zealand, a uh, greenhouse is quite common in terms of yes. glass greenhouse because we have what we call four seasons, right? Mm. And for Singapore, there's a massive greenhouse, it's called the Gardens by the Bay, but mm -hmm. Singapore is very hot and hot and hot. Yes. 
And so, but the greenhouse is beautiful. Why? Because it was able to take on any plants that's not able to grow in a certain kind of climate environment. Yeah. In this greenhouse, I saw the most endangered plants and species being brought into this greenhouse with the right atmosphere, with the right uh, climate and the, with the right nurturing and fertilization. I saw all these plants that were in a form of extinction coming in this place with the right gardening and with the right nurturing. I saw them thriving and growing and maturing. And I see all these plants taken out of this greenhouse and planted across the globe. Wow. And, then, and then the voice of the Lord in this vision spoke to me and says, build me this greenhouse because I designed ecosystem. And of course, I think every one of us will have that Moses moment, right? In the burning bush encounter. What, what do I do? How, I don't know what I, what do I have? I, I don't think if I have anything. And of course, the Lord says, what is in your hands? I think that's a yeah. big thing. Sometimes we look at what do we need to grab onto, but then the Lord says, what is in your hands? The Lord has given me a gift of evangelism and discipleship and mentorship. So the yeah. Lord says, use these tools that I've given you, worship and mentorship. Mm-hmm. Made this foundation of this greenhouse. And that's what we did. Um, you know, we, we, we pray through the Lord. Supernaturally gave us the blueprint with our team members to design, to, to think about it. And the interesting is that maybe Elris can share what her other vision was that she saw um, people coming together like a hub and being, being trained, equipped, being transformed and being taken out. Wow. And so, I mean, that's what we went through. And in, in, in 2015, the Lord gave us the, the mission, the vision to start, you know, because the reason why it's called Awakened Generation, um, because the Lord spoke to us very clearly, He wants to awaken every generation mm. into their calling, into their purpose, into their assignment. By awakening them is to bring them into encounter the presence of God like a greenhouse. To know mm. that, that there is a place, it's a safe place for you to flourish and grow. But also with the right gardening is to weed out and prune the things that are not bearing fruits. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so maybe you can share, yeah. I mean, 2015 was our first year launching this greenhouse. Um, yes. Don't know how many people would come. Uh, Prayer Intercessor calls us uh, a few months before the start of the program. She said, how many signups do you have? I said, oh, maybe about 10 so far, but maybe that's what we should expect. Little faith. <laughs> she said, she said, okay, um, Ellerys, what numbers would signups reach? That if you reach this number, you would say that this is crazy and it can only be God. And I said, oh, if it goes past like 40 um, signups, like, that would be crazy. Like, I don't even know if we can handle those numbers. And so she said, okay, I'm going to be praying for you. So she ends wow. up, in our first year, we had 49 students wow. in the program. And I felt like it was like the Lord saying that this is... This is not just something that you thought of that you want to do. Yes. This is my heart and my will for Singapore. Amazing. That is why I'm setting it up. And so, yeah, so that was our first year, 2015. The Lord just began to then multiply. grow. Yeah, multiply. Multiply our students, uh, multiply even the mentors who serve, um, who teach, who impart. And so now we are in our ninth year um, of ministry. So looking back, I think there's been about close to 700 local Singapore wow. students that have come wow. to graduated, been commissioned. And, um, and so this is our first year also launching the online school, um, which we Amazing. are starting small first, but it's still pretty cool. We have seven students, I think, from regional Asia. So now yes. we have students from Indonesia, Malaysia, India, um, Taiwan, 
Uh, we also launched our worship leading and songwriting program in Mandarin um, so that we can start imparting uh, worship, teaching on worship to the Mandarin speaking nations, which is such wow. a... Yeah. So, so, I mean, that, sorry, that was like a super long story. Oh, no, it's incredible. Oh, we wanted to give you the context, but that was... That was the whole journey of starting. I'm just blown away. I mean, as you're talking, I'm thinking to myself, you're literally changing the sound of a nation by what you're doing. And it would have been so easy for you, A, to both have gone, well, we've got separate callings, so we'll both just do our separate things in the kingdom. Um, And B, it would have been easy for you to go, well, maybe we'll just plant ourselves in a church and we'll just impart into our local (laughs) team, which is nothing, there's nothing wrong with that, right? But what you've actually done is you've you've stepped out in faith because that means you have to generate your own salary. I know all about that. So I know, I know you, you have to actually just go where God's calling us, we're going to do this. And it's impacting teams, not just one team, but teams. And that makes me so excited because there's so much acceleration in that. Yeah. And I, I I'm also thinking as you're talking and I'm and I'm thinking about the people that are listening who are probably in teams. Like I actually know that there's people here that are using this podcast as some of their team training. So hello to all of you who are listening to this as a team right now. I feel the Lord highlighting for me to say this, and that's the idea that the reason why the Lord is blessing what you're doing is you have perspective. You haven't just been in one church Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, of course there's wisdom and experience that you get when you understand the dynamics of a team and you grow a team and you mentor a team. But this perspective of being in other nations, seeing what worship is like in other nations, going to other churches, um, mentoring worshippers from all over the region gives you great perspective. And I firstly just want to say to our listeners, that is really important. That's the whole reason this podcast exists. We can become very narrow when we just think it's about our church, don't we? Like yeah. we, we we think that this is what, what it's going to be like everywhere, the problems that we have here. Some problems are similar, but actually that perspective is what gives us long vision, not just short-term vision. Yeah. And I wondered if, um, you know, having said all of that, yeah. what are some of the things that you're seeing that the Lord's highlighting right now in worship? What are you going, wow, God, this is a bit different than it was, say, mm-hmm. nine years ago? I mean, I... I um. Yeah, when you ask that question, I'm I'm reminded of our our, our time that we've been recently investing into being in Israel. Um, yes, 2018 was our first year um, um, in Israel, and man, the Lord has exploded our brains <laughs> in a good way. Of like, I think with what you were saying, that it's you know local t- church is great, but like that's the very minute perspective. But if we can yes. see nation perspective of worship, we can see the nation's perspective of worship and so we can good. see the end time uh, purpose of worship and how the, the songs of the nations from the ends of the earth, islands, the coastlands, this is what yes. it talks about in so Isaiah or in Isaiah 42. When we lift up the song of the Lord, it has such a profound impact on the region of the Middle East in the world and ultimately that the song of the Lord from the Gentile nations would then trigger the song of worship to be lifted up from the sons of Isaac. With wow. His, his what covenant. a revelation. Yes. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, you, hang on. We've got to stop for a minute. We've got yeah, to explain yeah. that a bit because yeah. that is so deep. 
Yeah. You're, you've just connected Israel to worship. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you got to unpack that a bit more for because that was like, I'm like going, whoa, okay, that's in, yeah. an incredible revelation. Yeah, maybe we can take you back to the story in, yeah. uh, of Obed-Edom. Where, where, where is it? Right. Chronicles. Chronicles. Chronicles of Samuel was thrilled. The story of yeah. Obed-Edom. So before we went to Israel in 2018, mm. the Lord uh, highlighted this this passage um, about this curious guy. His name is Obed-Edom. He was actually a Gentile. And the way that we meet him in scripture um, was when King David had just won back the Ark of the Covenant from the yeah. Philistines. And they were bringing back the Ark, but they they did so in a way that they, um, they didn't treat the ark with with honor and respect. In so fact, they didn't yeah, host the, the presence, presence of God, God, so to speak. Yeah, the ark yeah. of the covenant was supposed to be carried on the shoulders of priests, but they put the ark of the covenant on a, on, on a cart, on a cart driven by oxen, which yeah. represents the strength of man. And so, wow. and of course, one of David's mighty men, you know, whose name was Uzzah, decided that you know when the ark was tilting, he decided to help himself by yes. making sure it was in the right standing position. And of course, the, the Lord struck him to death and it brought fear into the camp. And so they didn't even move at all. And of course, David was furious and angry and thinking, Lord, I'm trying to bring this ark back to Jerusalem to worship, but then you stop this and what's going on? And so, of course, the scripture talks about how they finally found a place that they parked uh, the ark of God, which happens to be at a at Obed-Edom's house, which happens to be a Gentile and a Gittite. Some might even say that, scholars might say that, that he's the descendants of Gita, which is the descendants of the guy that they, uh, David killed, which is Goliath. Interesting. Mm, God wow. can sometimes use things to use individuals to provoke you to jealousy. Wow. It's a redemption. Wow. And, so, and so interesting for the few months that it was parked at Obed-Edom's house, it literally, the scripture says that the Lord blessed and flourish and show favor in Obed-Edom's house that provoked David to jealousy to say, what am I doing wrong? So mm -hmm. David went back to study scriptures and realized, oh my goodness, the Ark of the Lord was, was carried by a group of people called the Levites or the priests that they were assigned to minister to Lord and carry the presence of God. So David got all the priests and the Levites to come together and basically restructure and carry the Ark of God. And every six steps, he would slaughter a bull in sacrifice mm -hmm. That's how David took the presence of God so seriously. And the interesting story is that when he brought the ark back to Jerusalem, he did the most unthinkable because I think it would, it would have been a, a heresy or would have been against the law that he opened the tent for the worship to happen, whereas the ark is supposed to be put in the so-called mosaic. Yes. And it was supposed to be in-house where only priests and the, those who are elite can go inside. But David opened up the tent and hired musicians, singers, put together them to worship the Lord in Mount Zion. But not only that, he invited Obed-Edom to be part of the singing and music. Wow. Yeah. So before even what you see in the New Testament, Gentiles was worshiping together with wow. the together in worship. Yeah. So I thought like that's like a prophetic picture of, of, of what's supposed to take place in worship in the end times, right? Because sometimes we are very focused on like um, the Great Commission to the ends of the earth. Yes. But I feel like we're coming into the time where it's like from the ends of the earth back to God's people. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And so I think we're seeing, you know, um, the worship movement really arise across the nations now. And, it, and it's not, I don't think the end point is just, you know, like, yay, like, you know, we're all lifting up the song of the Lord. Wonderful. Yeah. 
um, but that we have a significant role to, to play in in bringing the gospel and bringing um, the Lord's salvation back to his people, um, his wow. covenant, who still at the moment um, do not know him and do not receive mm-hmm. him. So, so that's, I would say, is one of the, the biggest revelations that we've received in the last couple of years that has given us yeah. such uh, strength um, in, yes. and purpose in what we're doing here from Singapore, um, knowing that uh, the song of the Lord that we lift from here will have a profound impact on his people. And we actually got to see this take place in real life. <laughs> yes. So uh, I'm not sure if I you know, shared this story with you before, um, but when we were um, in Israel in 2018, we held a worship night um, in um, this, this church called Christ, Christ Church, church yeah. in um, the, old, the old city of, of Jerusalem. And uh, worship was just amazing that night. We were in the Holy of Holies. The, the interesting thing was that there just so happened to be a light festival happening uh, mm-hmm. at the same time. So there were actually thousands of, of locals just walking around the area and our worship was actually flooding out onto the streets because wow. uh, the doors and the windows were open, you know, um, so people could hear the worship and people thought, you know, is this a concert? Are we part of the light festival? So all these people, um, the locals just started coming in. And so there was this one uh, couple um, that uh, walked into the church. They were actually, her name is Kelly and she was actually eating an apple pie outside in the courtyard because it was a cafe, but she was just so drawn by yeah. the music. She stepped into the church. That's when she saw, uh, Calvin saw her and he went over to her and said, uh, hey, like, you know, you're welcome to come in if you like, because she was just standing outside. And she, she said, oh, what's, what's happening here? What, what are you guys doing? So he said, oh, you were followers of Yeshua. And um, this is how we worship, you know, um, we love his presence. We can respond to him in singing and dancing. So she was just so moved and, and so then Calvin actually pulled up a, a table and two chairs right at the back of the church. And so perhaps they felt obliged, but they sat down and they stayed for the entire service. Um, yeah. that's when, um, Calvin called me over. He said, hey, meet my Jewish friends. So I came over, said hi to, to Kelly. And she was just so visibly moved. And she was like, this is, this is how followers of Yeshua worship their God. And I'm like, yeah, like there's so much joy in it. Not, not just because we have eternal life, but we have abundant life. We have communion with you know, she was saying that, oh, you know, because I, in my faith, you know, I have to go, you know, you know, study uh, the Torah with my my parents. And, and like, I just, I felt nothing. But tonight when I walked into this wow. church, something inside me has come alive. Like, what is wow. this? Yeah. And so that's when, you know, we, we just shared about Jesus yeah. with her. And so that night, um, you know, before she left, um, she prayed, prayed with us to receive Yeshua. Um, and, and, and which is just crazy because it was, I mean, first it's, you know, it was in the context of worship that she was, yes. you know, um, and that was, you know, how she gave her life. But the story doesn't end there. When 2019 rolled around. Um, one year later. Yeah, one year later, we thought that, our, you know, that our visit to Israel was done. But the Holy Spirit said, no, you have to go back to Israel. And wow. the team and we were like, okay, God, that's going to require faith. But okay, we'll go back again. And uh, three weeks before our second trip in 2019, um, I got a Facebook message. And so I looked at the message and it was from Kelly. And I was like, I haven't heard from her for a whole year. I really pray that she's walking yeah. with God. And, and so she, um, it was a voice recording. And so in her voice recording, like I almost fell off my chair because this is what she said. She said, um, hi, Alaris, I don't know if you remember me, but I remember you. She said, one year ago, you came to Jerusalem and I heard your worship. 
And she said that all I remember was that I wanted to be, I wanted to run to the front to sing and dance with you. And I didn't even know you. Yeah, that's what she said. Like, that's the power of worship, guys. And so then she said, that night, I remember I prayed with you to receive Yeshua. But it was six months later, I encountered the Holy Spirit. Wow. But you're a huge part of my journey. And I'm reaching out to say, to just to say thank you. Because for me, as a Jewish person, to know Yeshua, I cannot thank you enough. That's so good. Yeah, it was funny. Like when I heard that message, I fell off my chair. I was like almost falling. I was like, God, you're so good. (laughs) You know, like, like she's, she's, you know, like something must have happened and God is sovereignly leading her. So when we reconnected again um, in Jerusalem, I I messaged her back and I said, Kelly, we're coming back to Israel. Like in three weeks time, you have to meet up and we have, and share your whole story with us. And so, so we met up and um, she shared her whole, her whole um, testimony of how the Lord sovereignly led her to be connected to a messianic Sinic community. community. Wow. Now she's kind of like this woman at the well where she's like testifying wow. her entire village about, about Jesus. Wow. And that night we got her to, you know, we were having a time of prayer for, for Israel. And so we got all the different nations in the room, like let's pray for Israel mm-hmm. in our own language. And so we went up to Kelly and said, would you be open to praying in Hebrew and, and praying that mm-hmm. your people would also have an encounter with Yeshua just like you did. Yeah. And so she said, yeah, wow. sure. Uh, she said, oh, but before I pray, can I just say one thing? And I think this is a huge takeaway for all of us as um, worshipers as well. She said, um, my question is like, why do we keep worship within the four walls of this place? Mm-hmm. Like, why aren't we out there so that more people like me can come right. to oh. Yeshua? And then she prays, you know, so I really felt the Holy Spirit was just dropping this revelation bomb. Almost <laughs> <laughs> very kind rebuke to his church. Like, yeah, why have we kept worship just for us as believers? Wow. That's making yeah. my brain explode because I'm like, well, what, is it, what does it look like then? Exactly. Not- I, mean, yeah, I mean, God's like unpacking that, right? Um, because yeah. she was just like, I encountered this Yeshua because of your worship. Mm. Because of your worship. And so mm. like, it's so, you guys don't understand how powerful it is. Like, why can't we just wow. there so that more, because, you know, she shared her story of how she struggled with depression and 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 um, just, you know, locked up in all these different things. It was was hungry to know God, so explored like the occult and new age and all these things. Wow. But she was just, you know, so desperate to find God. And she told me that, do you remember that night when you prayed with me to receive Yeshua? I said, yes. She said, you know, I never felt a power as strong as that in my life. And I was wow. in all this new age, Reiki, whatever, this crystals, whatever. Yeah. Wow. I never felt a power as strong as that in my life. I think the Lord gave us an insight yeah. And a revelation that worship is not meant to be kept within the four corners of the church. Mm-hmm. Just like how David, he was so excited. He wanted to share, you know, the presence of the Lord with yes. everybody. He unpacked that. And so that many it's people can encounter. So, so actually, I mean, as, as someone like myself that loves evangelism, I believe worship in itself is evangelistic. Yeah, I've always thought that. Yes. Powerful, powerful. Because, I mean, worship is warfare, right? And so if you go into the battlefield, I mean, that's probably one of the most worst strategies that we can think about. <laughs> war. But then God's strategy is so unfathomable in terms of he brings singers and musicians out in the front line. Mm. And so how much more in terms of what the world is going through right now, mm. not just music, but the songs of the Lord that liberates people mm. from their shackles, from their oppression. And I think that that is it's important to remind worship leaders, worshipers that 
uh, we have an assignment to bring mm. the songs of the Lord to the nations that are, are bound by shackles, bound by different strongholds to liberate by singing, Powerful. by sharing God's, God's presence. Um, I think John Piper made it very clear in one of his quotes that the reason why a uh, mission exists because worship does not. Wow. Actually, I have that quote. I can read it out to you quickly. Many years back, he says here, mission is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Mission exists because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their face before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. So I, I believe worship in itself is missional. And, and, and again, I not to damper down all the other missional work that everybody's doing. I think it's great, but I think one has been a real missing part that the Lord wants to actually, he wants to restore that and redeem yes. that. It's actually worship as missions. Yes. Yeah. So that's why God, I, I, we, we sense that at this, so we believe in this end time final frontier move of God is that he's raising up worshipers. I'm back to the forefront right now. I love that. Usher in not just the, the songs of the Lord, but the prophetic, because the prophetic yes. is really about the mysteries of, of God that wants to be released yeah. through his singers and his, and his sons. And when we are able to teach and equip Christians and believers to sing the songs of the Lord, we're actually aligning with the purposes. We're aligning mm. with what we're actually having that understanding God is releasing revelation for us. We need to come back to that. I love that. I love it because I, I'm having a little chuckle within myself because I'm thinking about a comment you made right at the beginning where yeah. you said, you know, this culture of people just turning up after the worship finishes, you know. I mean, I hate that too. That's one of my, <laughs> and I'm sure everyone here has had that experience. It's on a worship team. We're like, well, where are the people? They're all sort of rolling in really, really late. But if we actually looked at worship not as the warm-up before the important preaching, but we looked at it as a call that helps something rise up within the people because it worship is an evangelistic tool. It yeah. is missional. So as you sing the decrees of the Lord, as you start to sing, it's actually awakening people, awakening generation, go figure. <laughs> but it's, awake, it's awakening people to who they are and whose they are. And some of those people may not even know why they're coming alive but it's actually because it's it's almost like it's a frequency that's a, that's if we're going to sound like Dan O'McCallum right now it's a it's a frequency that is the frequency of heaven that's resonating with that piece of frequency that's on the inside of them the god frequency you know and i i i think that um i mean it's quite profound what you're saying because i think a lot of times us in our worship teams, what we're doing is we're thinking about our own little piece of the world. We're thinking about yeah. the sound. We're thinking about the how the bass is going to work. Have I learnt my keyboard part? Um, have I got the harmonies right? And all those things, of course, excellence is important. But yeah. this idea that we are awakening nations yeah. to who God is, yeah. I think we lost that somewhere. Yes. People have forgotten that's yes. actually what we should be doing. Yep. Yes. Then when we we bring that back into the forefront, I mean, I just think it's not going to matter so much our 
how our harmonies sound or how, I, I mean, of course, I want that excellence, yeah. right? So yeah. I'm not saying it's one or the other. I think that's a big mistake we make, especially when we're stepping yeah. into prophetic worship cultures. We go, it's all prophetic and it's not skill. And I'm like, no, David wasn't even like that. David had the most highly skilled musicians that's right. and uh, any type of artist had to be highly skilled. But this right. idea that that took precedent and that our own little piece of the world takes precedent when we actually open our eyes to think about what it looks like on a national scale. And I even feel like as I'm saying that, or an international scale, that there's people going, oh, Roma, I'm just a, I'm just in a church with four people. I, I don't think that this relates to me. I'm like, no, it actually relates to every worshipper. Yep. yep. Is that we have the sound of nations in it in our hearts. Right. Yep. That's right. Yeah, as you're sharing, I'm also reminded of um the another takeaway from from Israel. <laughs> Supernatural yes. things happen when you go to Israel and yes, true. come to you. But I think one of the revelations that we received, um, it was, you know, we were at this a ruins of a synagogue um in this town called Kerizin, which is at the Sea of Galilee area. And I unfortunately it was actually a town that Jesus cursed because of their unbelief. Um, so we were sitting in the temples of this, uh, the, the ruins of this uh, synagogue and, you know, Calvin was sitting to uh, sitting next to Samuel Whitfield, who was, you know, our Bible teacher. He's from International House of Prayer. And um, so he asked Samuel, like, um, hey, actually, what's what's the what's the deal or what's the history with synagogues? Because didn't the Israelites like worship in a temple? And he's like, Calvin, that's mm-hmm. a great question. You're completely right. The original design of worship was always temple, right? Because temple was, uh, it was a place where you would bring your sacrifice, your literal sacrifice, and you would literally encounter like the fire of God, like the literal presence of God. And so it was, the temple facilitated like an actual encounter with the Lord. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And so, but we kind of all know that the the story of, you know, the Israelites rebellion, and because they rebelled against God, then um, they were given over to the Babylonians. Yes. In, in the book of Ezekiel, you literally mm. see the presence of the Lord and the angels. They, I mean, I'm just paraphrasing. They all pack up their bags and they just say, okay, we're moving through, we're moving back. And so Ezekiel yeah. saw an inversion because of the disobedience and the destructions of the Israelites and their heart was hardened. The presence of the Lord just left them. Wow. Yeah. So the fire of God left the temple. And actually when they rebuilt the temple after that, the fire of God never did not back. come back. Wow. So then he said, so, so this is when then um, synagogues come into a picture, come into the picture because synagogues mm-hmm. um, were then built as a place of like tradition and remembrance and teaching. Yeah. Because, you know, they didn't have the temple anymore. So he, mm-hmm. so then Samuel looked at Calvin and said, so the question is, is our church modeled more like a temple or more like a synagogue? Oh, <laughs> life of the phone, right? It's not that. Oh it's my not, gosh. Like my brain, brain is around exploding. Or yeah. we center it around the presence of God. Oh my goodness. It's oh. not that, it's not that the second one is, is bad. It's just that the priority was always about yep. encounter. What is wow. That's why when you read Romans 12, you realize that was the passage that I think was preached was understand that we come before the Lord to present mm. our body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Mm. It is, worship is began with beholding, presenting our body's living sacrifice. That is our acceptable act of worship, spiritual mm. worship. And so when we don't cater to that, or when we don't prioritize that, then the church will become like a synagogue where it's accepted. Wow. Gathering is all about 
reciting and memorization, but you never got to behold the one that gives you revelation. Oh my goodness, what a, I feel repentance in my heart <laughs> right now. Like I just am like, Jesus, I'm so sorry if that's what we made it. So we have allowed the church to become more about the teaching and the knowledge, knowledge which yeah. eventually, if you know, knowledge puffs up and makes the church. Yes. And so, I mean, something that I've witnessed, I'm, I'm not so sure, maybe it's across the world or maybe, maybe more in Asia that I would say for many years, the, the primary gifting that has been operating in the churches has been the teaching anointing. Yes. Yes. Which is, which is not a bad, it is, it's, a, it's not a bad thing. Mm. It's just that then what you have done is that you have eliminated out the apostolic, the prophetic. I mean, I, I, yes. I'm a minister of the fivefold ministry. Yes. Because then what's, what happens is that the church becomes inward. The pastors are more focused on the sheep, but they don't beyond outside. So wow. that's the, the prophetic and the apostolic must be brought in to really realign, reassign everybody to look outward to say, hey, it's not just for us, but it's for outside as well. It's for the lost to reach the, the nations. And, and so God, that's why I believe God wants to restore the prayer and worship altar back in the yes. church, back in yes. the marketplace. And it begins with bringing forth the singers and musicians in the forefront. Yes. Because when you go through like what we're going through right now. I mean, COVID has really exposed a lot of things that has you know, church had to rethink right now. How yes. do we run church? Yes. You know, because you can have a big church, but why, what was the point of having a church when there's no bodies in the church? Mm, and so, and so, you know, and, and the, the, the terrible part is that, you know, you can have a church, you can have all the bells and whistles, the likes and all the different things, and you can be sick and friendly and yet have church and yet realize that God is not even visiting because yes. he's not the VIP. Wow. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm all about being sick and friendly. I'm all about being friendly, but sometimes the house of God has become more about show and performance rather than actually the reverence and the fear of the Lord of beholding so him and ministering to his presence. Because when we minister to him, he's the one that ministers to us. Yes. And I think every worship leader should understand that your role is so important, but you're not performing. You yes. are leading people to encounter the presence of God. You're not leading people yes. to yourself. In fact, yes. you become less because why? Because when God shows up, he's the one that people receive yeah. and he pours out revelation. And then when we come to the teaching of the words, it becomes life to us. Beautiful. And, and actually there's a, there's a finishing point to the yeah. temple yes. story that, that I shared. Oh, yeah. So the thing is, the presence of God did come back. The fire of God did come back. Mm. And it was in Acts 2. <laughs> the fire of God comes back, but now it's not on a physical yeah. building. It's now on every single believer. God. Yeah, so the fire of God is upon we become the temple. Yes, yes, we are the temple. We are the yeah. temple now. Yeah, which and now makes that scripture. You know, do you not know that you are the temple? Makes yes. so much more sense. Yes, when you think of it with that story, you've just yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and then First Peter, it was a very powerful description that. You know, we were all, you know, rejected in different ways, but God brought us together as living stones, built up into a spiritual house. Mm -hmm. And he wow. says that, and, and then God made it very clear by saying that uh, through the author that he has called us to be set apart, to be a chosen generation, a royal mm -hmm. priest. So actually the, the Lord wants to restore the priesthood of every believer. Yes. 
started with Exodus, where he brought wow. the Israelites out of Egypt to, to, to consecrate them, to sanctify them so that they can come before the Lord to receive him as their God and as their father. And the Lord said very clearly to, to Moses that I desire a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Mm, yeah. That plan has not changed. Yes. In fact, Jesus fulfilled that and became the example who says, now I have restored that. I'm the great high priest. You are royal priesthood. It means mm. that believer is priestly unto mm. the Lord. Praise so God. that's why that's why we have the living temple. And guess who's taking care of the temple? Mm. We are. I'm having a little chuckle because... I mean, our listeners won't know that we have a list of questions and we haven't answered one of them, right? <laughs> because the Holy Spirit just took over this conversation. Yeah. Like, I it did not in a million years think we were going to talk about Israel and nations <laughs> in relation to worship. And I'm just sitting here being so touched by the Lord as you're speaking and wow. just feeling the kindness of the Lord as He's like, it's like just deep, it's such a deep revelation that I feel is going to bless so many people. And I'm yeah. so thankful. Thank you for going going that way. I mean, I'm just like, wow, <laughs> God's amazing. I would love it to end. We've been talking for an hour, guys. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I could talk for even longer, but I know that, you know, an hour is probably our limit for podcast, but you're, like, you're going to have to come back. We might yeah. need a part two. Part two, yeah. yeah. We're going to have to do a part <laughs> two, I think. We are definitely going to do a part two. Don't you worry. But I, I'd love you to end. Thank you. Firstly, yeah. thank you for what you're doing because I, I love this marriage of the giftings and the mentoring, which I don't think happens a lot in worship. I think that uh, worship ministry often in church life is about function. It's about doing it. It's mm. like being on a roster, getting stuff done, but you're actually genuinely caring about the heart of a person and that yeah. they're rising up and being all that God's called them to be. And I'm just, I just feel like this is just, this is a template for nations, not just yeah. for Asia. So I'm yeah. so thankful for what you do. But I'm wondering if you could just pray for everyone that's that's listening right now just to end this podcast. Yeah, sure. Sure. Let's pray. Yeah. yeah. Father, I thank you first of all, Lord, for stirring in Roma's heart to to start this podcast to mm -hmm. really equip and train and bless so many yeah. of the listeners that who are given the assignment to to carry the presence of the Lord in worship. And Father, I pray uh, so many of us desire, Lord, just to please you, Father. And you put it in our hearts, Lord, as when you breathed the first breath to Adam and gave him an identity and gave him the assignment. In fact, Adam's role when he was first brought to the God of Eden was actually priestly to minister to the sanctuary of the Lord. And then secondly, he was given the assignment to define and give names to the different animals, which was very kingly. And Lord, I, I thank you that, that for everybody who's listening here, for those who are really on a journey of running to Lord, walk and grow in their craftsmanship or the heart of worship. Father, I pray, Father, that you would bestow upon them. But more than that, I pray, Father, that Lord, that each and every one of us will not forget that without your presence, without your Holy Spirit, mm. Lord, we will be lost yeah. without your son. And so, Lord, I pray even there'll be a liberation of the heart, the thoughts, mm. Lord, even if there's been any blockages of how worship should yeah. sound like. Father, I pray that they will receive a download from you from heaven. Mm. Lord, whatever nations that you're from, I just sense the Lord says that I've called you for such a time as yeah. this to labor. In fact, it was in Jeremiah 20, 29, 
talks about how the Lord has plans for you, plans to prosper you. Mm. But previous scripture, it talks about how Israelite was sent to Babylon, they were exiled, and yet the Lord say to instruct them to seek the welfare of the city, because when you seek your welfare of the city, you will find your welfare. And I just sense that that the Lord says that that to encourage you that what are you doing with the garden that I've entrusted you, your backyard. Don't look at your neighbor's backyard. Look at your own backyard. The Lord has given you every provision, mm. every resources yeah. for you to plant and build this beautiful garden that many will encounter. And so, Lord, I pray, Father, just a blessing over our listeners, Father, to rejuvenate their heart, mm. to restore the fire on the altar of worship once again, Lord. Yes, Lord. And that the fire on the altar in Leviticus 6, 8, mm. 6, it must not go out. Mm. It must yes. not go out. So, Father... Night in us a passion, in a zeal, Lord, for, for the things of the Lord mm. and Lord, to hasten the days of your return, Lord. Mm. We pray yes. for that in Jesus' mm. name. Yeah, Father, I just thank you for every worshiper that is listening onto this call, Lord. Um, Father, thank you, Lord, um, that you have called them. Um, thank you that you say that each of us, that we are like living stones, that when we're all put together, it, it creates this spiritual house that the presence of the Lord can rest on. And, and, and I feel the Lord is just inviting each of you just to see, maybe even in the spirit, that all of us just answer that call of being a living stone in our nations, that yeah. it's like, it's like a, a huge spiritual house. It's like this huge tent of worship, so to speak, in the spirit of David's tabernacle that is built, it is being built across the globe, yes, across the nations. Um, and the Lord wants you to know that you have a purpose that your role is so significant in his end time plans yes. um, to for mighty harvest to come um, across yes, the nations so. and onto Israel. Um, and that your part, um, that you're playing, um, even in your local church of raising up the song of the Lord yes. um, is so important to his heart. And we all um, are hand in hand in building the spiritual house yes, of worship. So, so Father, we just, we just pray for uh, uh, just fresh, confidence uh, upon each and every uh, worshiper that's that's listening, Lord, just fresh purpose, Lord, to just come mm-hmm. upon them right now. And just fresh wind of the spirit, yes. Lord, um, to to build your tent of worship in their in their city, in their yes. local church, Lord, unto your kingdom. So we thank you for our time, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you guys. And for everyone that is interested in following and and doing anything that these guys are a part of, you can go and check out Instagram has got all the links there. Awaken SG. Uh, Awaken GSG. Uh, Awaken GSG. Or have you got a website as well? Yep. That's uh, awakengeneration.sg. Awesome. I have been so blessed today. Thank you, guys. And I can't wait to have you back. Thank you for being with us today on Release the Sound. Love you, guys. Thanks so much for listening to Release the Sound, a podcast on prophetic worship. If you're hungry for more, head to romawaterman.com where you can check out my book, Releasing Heaven's Song, Singing Over Your Nation for Breakthrough and Revival. It includes activations that you can use with your team or even on your own. And I've also got an online school where we have several courses on the prophetic, worship, spirituality and creativity. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review. And until then, I pray that you will release the song of heaven over your family, your church, and even your nation. And I look forward to sharing with you in the next Release the Sound Prophetic Worship Podcast.